Three days after the World Health Organization named the COVID-19 outbreak a pandemic, Nick's family experienced a tragedy of their own. So my Aunt T.T., Terry, developed cancer. You know, she got liver cancer. She was an alcoholic. Chemo was kind of the, the answer that they had for it. And it was right around the time that, you know, COVID was becoming a thing. And, you know, there was a big scare, I think, at the time. And so right after she got her chemo treatment, basically had her go home. That night, I think her body had a reaction both to the chemo as well as the medicine that they were giving her. And she died that night. They were starting to talk about the funeral arrangements and I think San Francisco went into a stay-at-home order. And, you know, shortly after that, other places around the country were so we couldn't go and, you know, we couldn't go to the funeral. Terry had a small funeral because of COVID. Nick's mom, his grandparents, and his aunts and uncles lived near each other, so they were able to go. But Nick and I, and other friends and family, joined in on Facebook Live. A small funeral felt especially wrong for Terry. So Terry is my mother's older sister. She was just that fun, crazy aunt that would, you know, give you all these crazy things as a kid and take you out to have a good time. And she was like that, Haley, we're going to have fun because we're with Titi. From what I always heard, she was the person that was the life of the party. She moved to Chicago at a young age. She modeled. She dated famous musicians. She had a very fun life and more importantly loved making people other around her have a good time and be happy. So it seemed fitting to name the van after her. So I named her the Terry Van. I'm Mia Sullivan and you're listening to Places a podcast documenting stories from offbeat American locations from a girl living in a van. In the past four episodes, I've brought you stories from places across the U.S. We've traveled to a mountain town in Wyoming, a surf spot in the Upper Peninsula, a former coal town in Pennsylvania that's reinventing itself, and to the home of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. This episode is about the place Nick and I call home right now, the Terry Van. I'll update you on how it's all going, and share what it's been like living in a small space that's constantly on the move. A quick heads up if you're listening with kids. This episode contains a bit of profanity. Okay, I'm gonna explain the layout of the Terry van so you can envision it. You open the sliding door 
and step up into our home. In front of you, there's a bench with a removable desk. This has become my workspace. It's also our kitchen table and where Luca sleeps at night. This workspace is pretty awesome because I can open the sliding door and have a nice view while I'm making this podcast. Now turn left and look down toward the back of the van. The whole thing actually feels very spacious and Nick designed it to feel this way. He used blonde wood and white paint and installed picture windows on both sides. There are counters to your left and right and a walkway in between. The walkway is wideish for a van, which allows us to sneak by each other if need be. The sink lives in the counter on the left, along with about three feet of chopping space above and four drawers below. The counter to the right houses our three burner stove, our oven, our fridge, and a couple feet of counter space. And our super comfy queen bed fills up the back of the van. It's hard to have a daily routine on the road, but here's a day we tend to have. I wake up at 6.30 and start working on this podcast. I kick Luca off his bed, AKA my workspace. Luca, go up with your dad. And tell him to go up and sleep on the bed with his dad. I set up our removable table and get to work. I usually work for two or three hours in the morning, so I feel at least somewhat productive, regardless of what we have planned for the rest of the day. Nick wakes up around 8 and scrolls through the New York Times and Apple News, if we have service. Then he gets out of bed and makes his coffee and breakfast. Breakfast tends to be granola, banana, oat milk, and berries if we're lucky. We eat breakfast, clean up, and pack up. Then we drive over to a trailhead and go for a hike. We hike a lot. We research hikes on all trails. Depending on the day and where we are, we might pick a 10-mile hike with 2,000 feet of elevation gain, or a two-mile hike that's flat and easy. We find dog-friendly hikes so Luca can join us. Luca's a great hiker and seems to be able to keep up with us forever. Luca, you've been a very good hiker today. Good boy. We've hiked through Montana, Michigan, Maine, North Carolina, Arizona. The list goes on. After our hike, Nick makes us hot sandwiches in the oven. It feels fancy for van dwellers. After lunch, we either go back to the spot we were staying at the night before, or we find a new spot. We usually sleep in national forests or on Bureau of Land Management land. You can stay in a spot on this type of public land for free, usually for up to two weeks. This is called dispersed camping, and we've fallen in love with it. We have a lot of experience camping in state parks in California, where spots are expensive, tightly packed, and nearly impossible to get last minute. Dispersed camping gives you more freedom because you can't book sites in advance. You just roll up, find a spot that looks good to you, and pull in. You also get more of a wilderness experience because sites tend to be far away from each other. The one catch is that you have to BYOB. 
bring your own bathroom. But this is actually a lot easier than it sounds. Nick designed a custom toilet for our van, but you can get a simple camp toilet at REI for 20 bucks. Once we're settled in our spot, we make dinner. We cook most nights. The counter space is big enough to prep the meals I'd normally make in a house. And we have a three burner stove and an oven. I make a lot of curries, salads, and grain bowls. We even made pizza once. Then I do the dishes. Nick usually dries them. We try to do our dishes right away, or else they'll take over our sink and counters. Depending on the night, I work for a couple more hours before getting into bed and reading a book. We try to be asleep by 11. Good night, love you. Love you too. I sleep really well most nights, unless we're on a busy street or in a place we're maybe not supposed to be sleeping, which luckily is rare. We had the hardest time finding places to sleep in the Midwest and on the East Coast because there's not that much public land there. We found ourselves parking on quiet oceanfront streets, in boat ramp parking lots, and in front of lighthouses. We weren't always sure whether we could legally sleep in the spots we found, but if we didn't see a no overnight parking sign, we figured we'd be fine for a night. We never got a knock on the window, but the potential for a knock was stressful. We've been on the road for 10 months, but in some ways, I feel like I've been living this way for much longer. It didn't take too much time for me to mentally adjust to living in a small space. I'm a minimalist and I'm happier with fewer things and less clutter. Having just a few outfits, four plates, and zero knickknacks feels very satisfying. We're almost 10 months into the trip. How do you think it's going? I think it's going well. Definitely doesn't come without its difficulties, but I'm really happy that we're now back in the West and not just the West, but like more of the mountain West. I'm really excited for the longer days and the more mountainous like weather and alpine lakes and forests and hikes and all that type of stuff. What's been your biggest joy of the trip? I think my greatest joy comes from the recognition every once in a while that we're doing it. I was just walking out with Luca and looking around and like seeing the mountains and the van here with this beautiful lake and the trees and, you know, we're making it work. I just love being out in nature. Yeah, that just brings joy to me. I think my biggest joy has been seeing and experiencing places I probably never would have seen if we hadn't taken this trip. Far out spots we travel to because we have the luxury of time. Places we learned about by asking locals where to visit next. Here are a few experiences that stand out. I'm walking down the path to the river on road 210 in the Sawtooth National Forest. It's a really pretty campsite. It's in front of um, Salmon River. Um, there are white and purple wildflowers. 
And we can see the Sawtooth Mountains in the distance. We're in the Flathead National Forest, which borders Glacier National Park. And we really lucked out and found an amazing campsite. It's really big. There are two perfect hammock trees. We can see some of the mountains in Glacier National Park from our campsite, right? Or are they a little bit further off? Yeah, I think it's seven. We are in the van looking up at the stars. It is our last night in Wyoming. Our campsite is just off of the Green River Lake Trail. We got the back doors of the van wide open and just sitting on our bed looking out at the stars. And there's been a meteor shower going on. Really the whole time we've been in Wyoming and it's been spectacular. So, yeah, we're just soaking it in. So we are in the Pisgah National Forest. We slept here last night and we slept right near the trailhead to a waterfall hike. I'm behind the waterfall now. It's just like a big white sheet falling on top of black boulders. We're in Sedona on the the Wilson Mountain Trail. So the dirt here is like an orangish pink color and we just hiked through these beautiful basically like cathedral looking rock cutouts yeah this place is really special it's also been special to see friends and family along the way hi, hi. oh hello we met up with my sister and her husband in montana i figured we were yeah, yeah, we're. we're yeah, I think we. I said we've, we've formed a pod, so. Yeah. yeah we fine. are. We are officially a pod now. Wait, wait, wait. So we need to see the van. Yeah, you need to see the van. Beautiful. I love the wood paneling. Yeah, it looks awesome. Doggies. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. <laughs> Good job, Luca. We stayed with Nick's dad and stepmom in Columbus, Ohio, and got to introduce Luca to their pups. We visited Nick's mom in West Virginia, where she was living for a stint. Cheers to good California wine mm. while you're in West Virginia. Oh my gosh. I'm so... <laughs> I don't even smell so good. Oh, oh this is so good. I'm gonna be younger mama. Hey, let's do something adventurous. We spent Thanksgiving with my family in New Jersey and got some time at the park with my cousin, her husband, and their adorable toddler. And we rang in the new year in Florida with Nick's cousins. New Year's is popping off. We're standing outside Zach and Brenna's house in Daytona Beach Shores, and there's a guy maybe 
four houses up setting off fireworks. Well, I think we have probably only a few more seconds. Wait, is it midnight? Almost. It's 11.59. And then we're finally done with Muddy 2020. Muddy 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Midnight. But this trip certainly hasn't been all blissful. Living in a van comes with mental, emotional, and physical challenges that our house life didn't present. First off, not having a regular routine has been challenging for me. Partly because I'm making this podcast, and it requires a lot of time. Time to research, to write, to edit. Because we're moving in the van most days, and because this trip is spontaneous, it's hard for me to stick to a work schedule I'm happy with. My production cycle for places is six to seven weeks per episode. Ideally, I'd split the work evenly across the weeks, but I tend to not make enough progress in the first three weeks, and then cram the bulk of the work into the last three weeks. The result? I'm stressed. I stress Nick out. And I miss out on exploring the places we're in as my due date gets closer. What do you think your biggest challenge has been on the trip? I think the biggest challenge is probably our joint challenge. Wanting to go out and experience all of these places that we're around, but also recognizing that we can't be moving too much. We need to stay in places longer, not just to enjoy them more, but also because of the work that you need to do on the podcast. And I think I probably wasn't as aware going into it, the amount of time that would be required for you to get the podcast done, like actually edited and all the, you know, backend production. And so you're working a lot and that's awesome that you're able to get a bunch of this work done and like feel good about the podcast. And that's obviously a very important part of the trip. But on my end, a lot of this trip is about exploring where we're at and having those types of experiences where I'm not working. And so I think that's just been a challenge for us to make sure that we're both getting the time that we need doing the things that we want to do. So, our main challenge kind of boils down to time management, and at times, competing interests between me and Nick. We of course both want to explore the places we're in fully, but sometimes my work forces us to stay put. Making sure we're both getting what we want out of this trip is tough, but we're getting better at it. Secondly, our van setup comes with a more tedious set of chores than we dealt with in house life. We can carry 35 gallons of water, which lasts us a week, but we have to keep close tabs on our water usage so we don't run out while we're in the wilderness. We have to refill the five-gallon water tank that's connected to our sink and dump our five-gallon gray water tank almost every day. 
Doing dishes is tedious, as we wash and dry everything by hand. We have a toilet in the van, which in my opinion is a must. It's basically a bucket and a container that separates the number ones from the number twos. We add natural ingredients to the number two bucket to make it compost and not smell. And we need to keep tabs on how full the number one container is getting and empty it regularly. Showering's a challenge. We have an outdoor shower out the back of the van, but we only use it every couple of weeks, partly to conserve water, partly because it's not too comfortable when it's cold out, and partly because we've realized that we really don't need to shower that often. And obviously, we don't have a washing machine, so when we want to do laundry, we either go to a laundromat, hand wash our clothes and hang them outside, or wait until our next stop at a friend's or family's. Thirdly, our van can get physically stuck places. Hi, this is Mia calling back about uh, the camper van stuck in the mud. Um, yes, I am. Yeah, so I think we need your help. <laughs> okay, and what was the name of that road you said? Terry's gotten stuck twice. Once in some Mississippi mud. And then, as if we hadn't learned our lesson the first time. The good thing is, it's a lot easier to shovel sand than it is mud. Yeah, we need those max tracks. Definitely. Wow, we're buying those. You mean they warned us? <laughs> we got stuck in deep sand in Death Valley after a nice couple told us they got stuck in the sand up the road just a few hours earlier. I think it just went down a little deeper. I kind of knew this was going to happen today. Yeah, I, I don't need the, I knew this was going to happen, like, I told you so, like. These stressful situations tend to lead to conflict between me and Nick. Luckily, we got out of the sand without having to call for a tow. Nick hiked a mile or so back down the road, and that nice couple from earlier helped flag down the same jeep that pulled them out of the sand. Nick attached tow straps from their jeep to our van, and they were able to pull us out. So we've had physical challenges with the van. The trip's been emotionally tough at times, too. More on that after the break. This episode is sponsored by Jim, Steph, and Tio, camper van adventurers and fellow victims of a deep, loose sand road in Death Valley. Nothing that a little Jameson and some stargazing couldn't cure. And while we couldn't solve the problems of the world that night, Jim and Steph kindly think my stories may get us one step closer. Jim, Steph, and Tio Pup, it was so lovely meeting you on the road. Thank you so much for your generous support and for helping us out of the sand.
so it's hailing out and I am in the van reading out on the wire. Nick is hiking and I'm looking out at beautiful views of rocks stacked on top of each other. They're red and they're jutting up out of the hillside. Yeah, Nick had a really good idea about making my 10th episode about the van and the trip and us and how it's going. Something that I'm feeling right now is just how comfortable I am in the van. And I think before the trip, I sort of thought that the van would be fine, like it wouldn't be that comfortable. I think I thought more, well, we're going to be spending so much time outside that it doesn't really matter how comfortable the van is. It's going to be just like a place to sleep. But what it's really become for me, I mean, it's home. It's like a beautiful, comfortable sanctuary. And like right now, I just feel so comfortable sitting here. It's snowing outside, but I have the heater on. I'd made tea. Luca's lying near me and it's really nice. I feel like it's similar to if I were in, in a house and it was snowing outside like that comfort and maybe even cozier because it's a smaller space. I think I have a lot of ups and downs with this trip. Like there are certain days, like pretty much the past week when we've been in New Mexico and Arizona, it's been beautiful landscapes. We've been able to hike pretty immaculate trails that are uncrowded with Luca. It feels free. It feels very freeing at a time when people are feeling more trapped because of COVID. So I feel super lucky to have this experience. But one thing that's been pretty tricky for me just throughout the whole trip is not being grounded in a sense of place. And a big reason why I even thought of this concept for the podcast for places documentaries on towns across the country it's because i love the place that i'm from and to me the place i'm from is san francisco and just the feeling of being in san francisco from biking to golden gate park on a sunny saturday to hiking up to bernal hill every morning with luca and like just being able to see friends and have that like going to leanne and troy's on saturday just those are very grounding things to me and i think what i've learned about myself is having a routine is really healthy and good for me i've been struggling throughout the trip with how to stay grounded while moving and I need to kind of understand and accept that my grounding can be in the van. I think recognizing the van is a sanctuary. It's our home. We can be grounded in the van and keep moving and maybe just like moving less will help, which I feel like moving less has helped a lot. I think just appreciating that I can be grounded in the van and try to let that mentality like work and soak in. After 10 months of living across the country, I miss my place, San Francisco. I also miss my friends. But while we were at the Chiricahua National Monument, we met a really cool couple, Reet and Julie. They invited us to stay with them at a campsite in southeastern Arizona. So we did. I want to introduce you to them because they've been living in an RV for four years, and their story's inspiring. Also, the challenges they've faced on the road feel similar to challenges Nick and I are having. 
Could you guys explain how me and Nick met you guys? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so I saw you guys at the trailhead. Uh, it wasn't even trailhead. It was a parking lot. We were all thrown out or recycling. And you could just tell that somebody's either on a extended trip or full time because they see a trash can and it's like finding gold. And then we ended up being on the same trail and we met at this beautiful overlook. I think I offered to take one of your pictures and you guys took one of us and we started chatting. Yeah, there was good vibes and we could just tell that you guys were fun people to hang out with. So we sold you on uh, Indian Bread Rocks. I'm so glad you guys came and joined us. It's been super fun. So yeah, my name is Reet and we started RV Lifing around 2017 in June. And before that, we were in Atlanta. That's where we started out of. The activities that we enjoy were mountain biking, snowboarding, hiking a lot. The system of like working so long for 34 years with like 10 days of vacation a year to then finally retire and have all your free time to do whatever it is that you love. But the things that you love, you can't really enjoy fully when you're older, like the activities that we're into. So it just did not make sense to us. So we decided to start doing the things that we love now. So I'm Julie Reed's wife. With regards to why we started traveling, we both have spent a lot of time overseas and I've basically been to like every country in Europe and many of them in Asia, but I really hadn't traveled the US that much. Like I'd never been to Yellowstone or Yosemite or, you know, a lot of these national parks and we're big mountain bikers and there was all these amazing trails all over the US that you can go do. And we were like, well, there's so much to see in our own country. And we didn't even at the time realize how much there was to see because we were like, oh, let's go hit Yellowstone and Yosemite. And on the way we realized there's like so many more places too. There's national monuments, there's national lake shores. There's really incredible public lands that offer tons of great recreation and uh, outdoor opportunities. Along the way, we've started two online businesses. One of them is tripoutside.com. We started Trip Outside in 2017. Uh, we were traveling a lot, and every time we traveled to a new destination, the first thing we would look up is outdoor things to do in that city, which is typically a little bit harder to find. You're looking at national park services, websites, or calling outfitters. Uh, so spending a lot of time researching like what there is to do. Our idea and the thought was, how can we make this entire process easier for everyone? And we're focused very specifically on humid-powered adventures. So anything you can do with your own body, mountain biking, kayaking, sand paddleboarding, surfing. We want to encourage people to use their body. We love it. There's a lot of benefits for feeling good, being healthier. One of our biggest goals is to help people get outside and to help it be more accessible. And with COVID, a lot of people are now getting outside, which is really great. And we're helping to encourage them and to get beginners outside too and help them to learn these outdoor activities, lessons and tours, help them have guided adventures because a lot of people just don't know where to start. So can you guys walk me through like what your typical day or like your typical like couple of weeks is? We... Yeah, definitely don't have a typical day, but I would say, you know, most days we try our hardest to fit in work and also some sort of like outdoor activity. And it depends on where we're at. Sometimes that outdoor activity is walking our dog. Other times it's like a really great mountain bike ride starting right from our campsite. We, you know, we always wake up and have our coffee and tea in the morning, which is to start 
Alma's favorite time. Reads better about meditating than I am, but he usually does some sort of meditation in the morning and take the dog for a walk. And then we usually get started with some work. We don't take a ton of days off, but some days we do take off and we don't work. But most days we, we do some work and then we try to finish by three or four and then do either like a workout or an outdoor activity. And then we end up working a lot later as well. But we also really enjoy cooking. So we cook good meals in the RV and make sure that we're well fed along the way. Uh, we stay somewhere for two weeks. So a typical two weeks is we'll stay somewhere, work and explore. We'll like create a whiteboard and say, here's the things that we want to try to do while we're here. So get a mountain bike ride in and visit these ruins or whatever the like local things to do are. During those two weeks, we're, you know, working, playing, and then on travel days, we, you know, pack everything up, and then we go visit a town where we do our grocery shopping, dump the tanks, get propane, and reset. And sometimes we drive like two hours, three hours, and other times it's like four or five hours, but usually within that time range is where we like to stop and slow down and stay another two weeks or three weeks. It would still, I think, be cool to talk about the hardest things for you guys and also the things that make it worth it. Everyone seems to think that RV life or van life is just like the perfect situation. And while it is amazing and we definitely think it's worth it, there's also a lot of things that are really tough. One of the kind of funny and interesting challenges we have is just spending so much time together. And, you know, you're in a small space and it's just the two of you and like, Luckily, sometimes you might meet other people that you can hang out with, which is great. Sometimes you might go like a week without seeing anyone else (laughs) and it can be challenging. I've had friends tell me that like they would, their marriage would not survive if they were doing what I'm doing. And so you really have to have a lot of patience and understanding and the ability to communicate and talk about things and like, Hey, like tell each other when things are bothering you. You can't just let it like bubble up. And, um, you know, obviously we're not perfect by any means, but it is definitely a challenge for sure. You don't always get a lot of your own free space or your own free time. That's interesting. I feel like you were able to communicate that really well from a place of having done this for a long time. Nick and I definitely get on each other's nerves. It's like you're only spending time with the other person and sometimes it's hard to take your own space. There's going to be challenges like you don't see on Instagram, the behind the scenes. It doesn't matter who you are, what kind of vehicle you have, you're going to break down at some point. And it's going to happen when you had some other plans. And in those moments, you just have to practice a lot of acceptance. Like I'm choosing to do this and I'm still doing this after four years. There's things that I don't like doing and I'm getting better at just reminding myself, like I'm choosing to do this. Nobody's making me do this. This is not forced upon me. So if I'm not enjoying this, just stop it. But through that acceptance, you start to look around and say, okay, well, I get to go climb around these rocks and it's beautiful or bike the best trails in the world. And it's not just a weekend. I can be here for a month. The challenges are real and you work through it, but if you have to really want it, and if you want it, it's all worth it. I think another thing that we've found too is like when you live an, uh, a house life, you know, your things are pretty set. Like you have your house, you know, stuff goes wrong every once in a while, but like you go to your job or maybe now you're working from home and you take care of the kids and you like take care of the house. But with RV life, you're always moving and you're always making new decisions. Which way should we drive? Where should we park? Where should we camp? Uh, which grocery store should we go to? Everything is always new. And so you're making just tons of decisions every single day. They're not like normal day-to-day decisions. They're like big things that you've never really decided before. Like, 
I think with that many decisions, there's always going to be like different thoughts about it. And so it could either cause an argument or it could be an opportunity to like work together and figure it out and like make sure that everyone's happy with it. So I think just the amount of decisions there are every day and every week makes it just inherently harder to like make sure that everyone is happy. (laughs) Yeah. That's also a really good way to put it because I feel like I had a hard time articulating like why it's so hard. It's like because we keep moving like that's hard and that's kind of what I've thought but I haven't really thought of it as like decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get in most of our arguments on travel days when we're traveling, when we're parking, when we're finding somewhere to go. And so that's kind of when we realized, okay, we need to find a better process for this. (laughs) Just let you know when we figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Did you want to say like the best things about it since you talked about some challenges? Sure. I think freedom is huge. We could go to New Mexico tomorrow or we could go to Flagstaff to go skiing or snowboarding. We really appreciate the freedom that comes with it. And also just the ability to spend extended amounts of time with friends and family. Like we can drive up to our family's house and stay for a month and fully immerse ourselves in hanging out with them. And that's just something we couldn't do before. So yeah, just being able to make your own decisions and point the RV and life the way you want to go. One of the other things that we really love is being able to park right next to the outdoor activities we do. There's actually a, a lot of mountain biking trailheads that allow camping overnight and they'll be like on some sort of free camp land, which is amazing. And so we get to camp like literally at the trailhead and just ride our bikes out. And sometimes we camp on a lake and then we can take our paddleboard and our kayaks out right from our campsite. So I think those are the things that we're like, this is such an amazing life and worth the struggles, worth the hard parts to just be able to be so close to like what we love. Reet and Julie are full-time RVers on the road indefinitely with no plans of going back to house life. For me and Nick, our intention was never to make this a full-time thing. We planned to be on the road for a little more than a year, but I still wondered, could van life win us over? We still have four months to go and things could change, but we're planning on settling somewhere after this trip, at least for a while. As much as I love traveling, I also love being still. I love living in a community and knowing a place inside out. But for now, I'm going to take a page from Aunt Terry's playbook and savor what's right in front of me. This episode was written, edited, and produced by me, Mia Sullivan. Nick Beishu is our associate producer. Additional editing by Christina Sullivan. Original music for this episode was composed by Tim Vitulo. And additional music was provided by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme is by Brent Curridan. Our show art is by Christine Hostetler and Michelle Anderson. And a special thanks to Blair Sullivan and to our Death Valley buddies, Jim, Steph, and Tio for sponsoring this episode. I'm Mia Sullivan. Thanks for listening. See you next time.